so fortunately I got this job and it was just like working on this little show with uh, talking cars that was like teaching character education type stuff this tiny little studio and I like I did that for a long time I worked there for like 10 years and I was an animator and learned to model and rig and texture and like the whole production pipeline so I mean, it was just kind of like preparing me for a career that, you know, like like the skill set meshed really well with, with augmented reality. Welcome to the Social Complex Podcast, where we are diving into the complex impact and influence of social media on brands, brains, and the bigger picture of our modern world. Here's your host, Hillary Applegate. Well, hello, party people. It's 2023. How did that happen? I feel like it was just 2019, two days ago. But 2023 brings a new year of opportunity, fresh start, brand new calendar. If you're like me, maybe a new notebook that you're going to start tracking all your notes in. And of course, a new season of the Social Complex Podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here today. And we're going to kick it off with an incredible interview with the man of the future. Phil Walton is joining us today for a discussion all around augmented reality and Snapchat lenses. So a little bit about Phil. Phil is a Snap AR creator ambassador whose work was featured on the Super Bowl, Saturday Night Live, Nickelodeon, late night talk shows, viral tweets, and Japanese music videos. His creations have been enjoyed around the world with over 6.8 billion views. His distinctive style has become the favorite of Twitch streams, Zoom calls, and social media content around the globe, with users spending 1,470 years of time using his lenses in Snap Camera alone. He's the author of two books, The Ultimate Guide to Snapchat and Creator's Guide to Snap Inc.'s Lens Studio. Phil is also the owner of his own social augmented reality development company called The Augury. In this episode, we dive into the world of AR on social media and how this creative outlet took Phil down a new career path, how creators of AR build a portfolio and monetize their creations and beyond. We discuss the state of copyright on creators in the growing space, as well as opportunities for how brands can elevate their customer experience with AR anytime, anywhere. Let's get into it. So, Phil, I got to ask you, were you a, like a creative kid? Did you create art when you were younger? Were you fascinated by art? Like, where did this seedling oh for gosh, art yeah. start? Yeah, so <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. Um, so growing up, uh, you know, I was smart kid but like I was the guy who didn't like get his homework turned in and and I was the guy that was always like drawing dinosaurs on my math homework so like just my attention was other places and so yeah like it, it just like grew up being very creative and and drawing a lot and very interested in dinosaurs and <laughs> not so much math <laughs> I mean, I feel that dinosaurs are much more interesting to talk about than math. I still yeah. remember that on my uh, AP history exam, like in those final questions, I just like, I think I drew like a turtle. I was like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for this. I don't really care. So I totally feel you on that. I feel like the creative ones are always the ones that are, you know, creative elsewhere and uh, daydreaming. 
Yeah, yeah. Just the mind wanders, and then you're like, oh, I, I need to draw something. So, yeah. so did you know what you wanted to do when you grew up? Um, I think I had a lot of the the things that most kids do, where they they carry their parents' expectations for them, and you want to make them proud and do things like that. And so, I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, like like that that kind of like kid dream that you have when you're little and you don't really know. I kind of like grew up in that world where there was this idea of the starving artist and, you know, like, you'll, if you get into art, you'll never make any money. You'll just be poor. And your parents do want you to be successful, but you know, like the world has changed so much since I was a kid. So doing what I do now, like no one could have even imagined this would be a career. So yeah, it's pretty crazy that it, this has become a career and the fact that creating AR filters and working yeah. in this immersive new world is even an option because it requires a certain skill of art and technicality. And, you know, I think a lot of people think it's very like Cody uh, <laughs> yeah, to some sure. degree. So <laughs> sure, it's a plethora yeah you're really pulling in from a, from a range of skills to do this. And I mean, this wasn't even a job a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. just the, I think lens studio uh, is just having its like five year anniversary this year. That's what they announced at at lens fest uh, on Tuesday. So yeah, the, the platform has, you know, these tools that are available to, to people have only been out for a short time and it's, you know, people are already taking the ball and running with it, so to speak, with, you know, building careers and businesses out of out of making these silly things that people are looking at on their phone. Hi, buddy. <laughs> I need to go get her quiet. Yeah, she's, go, okay. go tell her you're recording a podcast right now. I know. I'm very important for Trudy. <laughs> yeah, that was not going to quit. I, no. What What's her name? Trudy. Guest appearance by Trudy, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy. Had to that's, make her, that's, that's to make her claim. So you were at the event for LensFest with Snapchat where they announced that they are going to be, you know, essentially experimenting with a small group of those AR creators to monetize more opportunities for creation. Yeah, yeah. So this is the this is the first time and it's a, it's a real experimental program, but um, we're doing like in-lens digital goods it allows users to inside a lens use tokens to to get an add-on to either like a game or a lens filter or something like that. So I'm launching this, one of the first creators doing this, but I'm launching this with my potato lens. And so you can get like eight different costumes to try on for the potato. There's like a Phantom of the Opera guy. There's a cop, there's a soldier, there's a kitty cat, Sailor Moon. This Jedi oh potato. God. I think people are going to love it. I think they're <laughs> going to love it too. And yeah. your creativity just gets to go completely rampant. Like, do you have any guardrails aside from like the obvious of what you can't do? But Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like, uh, there's some community guidelines when you're creating lenses, like no tobacco or drugs or, or sexual reference stuff. And, um, but otherwise it's just like whatever you want to create and, as creative and random as you want to be, you know, it's, it's up to you. Like that's, that's the strength of the platform really is just like giving people all this freedom to, to do whatever. 
So how do you even come up with, I know that potato is legendary. We all know about the potato <laughs> yeah. and the fact that you, ha- for anybody who doesn't know, we're going to have to attach some screen grabs to this podcast because the potato is legendary right. and you got a paid partnership with, with Taco with Bell, right? Taco Bell, yeah. They, they Tell us a little Tell us a little bit about that. That's crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Like I got contacted by, by a lawyer that works for an agency that works for Taco Bell. And they're like, we've got this campaign that we want to do involving the potato. So this is during the pandemic and like they took away some of the menu, but now they're like, potatoes are back at Taco Bell. So it was like, who, who's better to announce that than the potato lens. So the, the CEO used my, uh, my lens to go onto Twitter and make the announcement that potatoes are coming back, the vegetarian options at, at Taco Bell. And then so like legendary. Yeah. And then in March they did like a, a bigger ad campaign and actually like rebranded the potato lens. So he like comes out of the ground and lands at a Taco Bell. And so that was that was very awesome. That is awesome. How did you even come up with the potato? Um this is something I should really have a, an awesome origin story for. Like I was sitting in our tree and got hit in the head by a potato, but um, no, I, I just, I'm just constantly like, <clears throat> just like ideas come to me and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that would make a good lens. And so just, I'll go knock it out and get it out there in the public. And I don't think about it most of the time, but like the potato hit at us, just like the right, the right thing at the right moment. And, you know, it's just who's to say how things go viral. But yeah, the uh, there was that lady that got stuck, potato boss, you know, like the, the tweet, you saw that tweet mm-hmm. uh, where the lady got stuck as a potato in her meeting and just like had to, <laughs> had to continue on the, the entire meeting as a potato. And like it got like a million likes on Twitter. And, and then pretty soon it was just like the potatoes everywhere. You know? I feel like the origin story is n- maybe not necessarily about how you came up with the idea, but about how people like took it and just ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like become my calling card. I just have to say, I'm Phil, I made the potato and then it just like eyes light up and they're like, Oh my gosh, I love that. And <laughs> like, it's very simple. It's not like the geometry is not a very complex shape and it just like hits that sweet spot in appeal. I, I think. Uh, no pun and intended. I think that, I, I mean I think that 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 right there is why you are the expert that you are though because you know sometimes especially with creativity I feel like it's not necessarily like a calculated craft where you're like okay yeah. I have to include this that and the other thing in order to make it successful it's kind of like trial and error and you just have inspiration and ideas that come to you like you said you go ahead you build it out you see what it does and then you you know try not to get a little bit too offended if it doesn't do well or, you know, shocked if it goes crazy. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's like a lot of things that people are posting on the internet these days. You just, you try stuff and you experiment and, you know, you're creative, but you don't really know like what's going to do well. And sometimes you put a lot of work into something and it flops or you put a little effort into something and it just does great. But I think you do kind of, develop a sense and think like you know like what looks good what do I think is fun what do I think people would enjoy and so yeah you you just you kind of 
start moving towards that. And maybe that just takes time and experience to, to kind of figure out what those things are. So with your career, you didn't start out as a designer. No. What, what did you start out doing? Um, so after, after high school, I went into the air force and I was in the air force for six years and I, I worked on like radios and radar systems, communications, navigation. And so I was stationed all over the Midwest. <laughs> and even in that job, I found myself like, as we're sitting on these trucks in Minot, North Dakota, and it's like bitter cold. And I just have my, my drawing notebook out and I would just be like drawing and like making my own comics and, you know, stuff that would make me laugh. And I liked the Air Force. I appreciated my time and, and the, the, the skills and, and all the benefits I got while I was in. But I was just like, I'm a creative at heart. So like right after I got out, I went to art school, studied media arts and animation, which is kind of like animation and film together and got a job at an animation studio in Minnesota my wife was pregnant at the time. And, you know, so fortunately I got this job and it was just like working on this little show with uh, talking cars that was like teaching character education type stuff, this tiny little studio. And I like, I did that for a long time. I worked there for like 10 years and I was an animator and learned to model and rig and texture and like the whole production pipeline. So I mean, it was just kind of like preparing me for a career that, you know, like like the skill set meshed really well with with augmented reality when it came time for that. I had a chance to try the the Oculus Dev Kit 1 when that first came out. And it was just like, it blew my mind. It was just like nausea inducing because like, it, if you've ever had like motion sickness from, from VR, it was like that experience. But I still was like, I fell in love and I was like, I want to do VR. And it, it took me a while, but eventually like I did some freelance jobs and it was able to like work for the studio that was doing a VR experience involving dinosaurs. So it was like hit, hit <laughs> like the Venn diagram of things I love just like was overlapping. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was working there and they're, they were like doing AR and VR and there was, you know, there was like the art side of things, which was like modeling and all that stuff. And then there was all the guys that did the code and Unity. And I was like, I'm too dumb to know how to do any of that stuff. But like, that was like right about the time where I discovered Lens Studio. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can make an AR experience. It's like so user friendly that even like someone that has an art background doesn't know any programming. You just kind of like plug things in and it's like, ready to go so yeah that was that's kind of my my origin story for how i discovered ar and the journey began i love it and then the journey began and now you are one of i mean i saw in the article that only 300 people have reached like a billion views or something on their lenses and i'm assuming with the potato that you're in that list the the potato itself has like 1.3 billion impressions (laughs) The potato is carrying the team, truly. And something really fascinating about the potato was that it lived beyond Snapchat. Yeah. And it started getting into other platforms. Was that intentional or was that kind of taken on a life of its own? I I think that's just like the the nature of the internet, how it, you know, just like quickly 
grows beyond what your original intent for things are sometimes. And yeah, it just, you know, like, like cross posting is, is pretty big if you want to do well in the social media game. So you're jumping over to TikTok and Instagram. A lot of people really enjoyed using it with their Twitch streams. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Snapchat makes Snap Camera, which allows it's like the desktop application that lets you use lenses and filters with your video stream. So, yeah. So a lot of people were and still are like are the potato in a, in a gamer stream or something like that. And like people were telling me that that use my stuff because I, I make a lot a lot of characters and they're like, it frees me up because I don't have to be myself, like staring yeah. at myself on a video screen. I can be I can be this character and be funny mm-hmm. and, and be be someone separate from myself while I do this thing. And, you know, so so folks that like experience kind of anxiety about like seeing themselves on camera or like being on a, a stream for a long time, like it's it kind of alleviates that because it's not them. It's like them as a potato or whatever. <laughs> there's there's more than just or whatever the they want to be. Yeah. <laughs> there is more than just the potato. But that doesn't really point. That's a good point as far as you do get to create and take on an essential like identity or, you know, exploration and creativity. And there's something to be said about you know, the, how you feel and how you want to portray versus like who you, you know, are at the moment. And it's not like, it's, it's not like a disassociative thing by any means, but it's more of a like extension of creativity. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a weird kind of amalgamation of like acting and like puppeteering at the same time. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think that there's something to be said about, you know, that that magic of AR. And I've seen AR be used, too, by my nieces who are seven. And they've grown up with Snapchat. Even my niece is three. And they know exactly where to go for their filters. They know which ones are their favorites. And I'm looking at these kids and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you guys are crazy. You know exactly all the filters more than I do. Because <laughs> they just have so much fun with it. And it's yeah. almost like taking that whole idea of role play with like dress up, mm-hmm. but putting it in a digital format. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a good point. It, it, like they, I, I try to, I try to design stuff that is like very user friendly, but like open-ended. So, uh, you know, like one person's version of, you know, if they put on the banana lens, like, their idea of like how that banana talks and moves and and thinks is going to be different from the next person. So it's, it's very, it's very open to interpretation and, and however they want to, they want to see that character. No, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your best hits. Which lens are your favorites and which are your best hits? Uh, well, my, I can I can actually see my my analytics here. We we got this cool little back end. We love it. We love a backed up with data. Yeah. <laughs> analysis. Yeah. Get in there. So of all no lies all told. My lenses. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Top lenses. Potato. You know, like one point three billion is is the the top hit for that. My next uh, top one is called Highway Stranger. 
And I don't know if you've seen that, but it's kind of based on that urban legend. Like, there's someone in the backseat. Like, the you're driving alone on the highway, and the car comes up behind you, and it's flashing its lights, so you freak out and drive away. But they're really trying yeah. to warn you that there's someone in the backseat. So, like, I turned that into a lens experience, and this guy, like, jump, oh jumps up and grabs grabs your shoulder. I haven't seen that one. All I right. need to I'll, check that one out. I'll, I'll send you links to all these when we're, when we're yeah. offline here, and so you can... We'll link them out. Yeah. And the the pickle is another one that that did really well. They, uh, I think Jimmy Kimmel used that to put it on Bernie Sanders or something like that in a segment he was doing. And, um, You're just at the intersection of pop culture. Yeah, it just it just kind of hit at the right moment. I, you know, you can you can do your work and hope it does well, but you know, at some point, it just like takes off beyond you, and you don't have any control over that. And these impressions too are just what you are seeing through Snapchat. Yeah, exactly. It's you're like, not tracking beyond. Right. I don't really have analytics beyond that. So I, I can see like usages and like how many people like like saw it in impression or played with it or how long they played with it, how long they use it on Snap camera. That's awesome. What tell us a little bit more about that dashboard. Is that something that all creators get when they get into right. the Snapchat lens studio? Yeah. So it, when you start creating lenses, you'll you'll get access to this this analytics dashboard, and so you can you can go back there and, and see like you know for all time how many plays, views, shares, and favorites for all of your lenses, or or drill down into an individual lens and kind of see how people are using it and what the insights for that are. How do you use that to inform your future designs, or do you use that at all? Um. I don't really use that as much. I I do like to check out and see what's popular, what people are engaging with. Um, for me, it's it's kind of more of an act of creativity, making lenses and and just kind of like putting art out into the world versus like trying to like make a calculation and and mm-hmm. you know go from it from that direction. So let's talk about monetizing because obviously with numbers like that, you're going to have brands that are looking at you, cough, cough, Taco Bell, yeah. and see an opportunity to jump into you know pop culture movements, being able to use this creativity in a very native way on these platforms when they're advertising, and then even beyond. How are you and other creators monetizing the work that you're doing for Lens Studio and AR? Yeah, well, I mean, like, the monetization of AR is just beginning. A lot of people make their living like building branded experiences for agencies or directly for brands or like music labels or something like that. So, you know, Taylor Swift has an album coming out. They'll make some lenses to support the songs and those will play on Snapchat or TikTok, Instagram. But the direct monetization from the companies it's still just like it hasn't hit yet i think they're still trying to figure it out uh, because they're people are like getting big amounts of views and impressions from their lenses but it's not like we get a, a cut of that you know they're not like ad supported or anything so the thing i'm doing with in lens digital goods it's it's kind of like a first step you know toe in the water as far as that goes to like see what's what are some cool ways that we can start paying creators for their work and and letting the community support them i have also tried like patreon i have a patreon right now and you know if i get a little support off of that and that's that's kind of 
allows people that use my lenses on Twitch or whatever to, you know, on a regular basis, they can, they can kick something back to me because I'm not getting paid from Snap. And in fact, it like, I, the software I use, like I end up having to pay money to, to make lenses for Snapchat. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about copyright because I know that when you're creating these lenses, you're essentially granting the copyright for Snapchat to use them and promote them on your behalf and for the users of Snapchat to use them. And that's something that, I mean, there's a lot of different industries that I have talked to where copyright just like almost goes out the window with social media. So everything from, you know, nails, nail design to Snapchat lenses to audio that's being used for reels and beyond. So how has the world of copyright with AR lenses like evolved or shifting, or is that even something that is being talked about in the industry? Yeah, it, it definitely is a, a big concern and like something I've had to think about, especially like working with Taco Bell, they're like, they want to make sure I own all their rights to this before they use it. You know, that's, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and companies like, like snap will say like, okay, you guys own the copyright to your work, but we retain the right to use it on our platform as much as we want for whatever we want. It's still kind of up in the air. It's still it's still kind of dicey, and there really hasn't been some great precedent set legally for how it all works. But yeah, I, I think those days are eventually coming when things will be more organized. But right now, it really is kind mm-hmm. of a wild west. And that is interesting that Taco Bell had reached out to you to use the copyright, especially because it was such a large scale campaign. I can imagine that they're much more savvy when it comes to that. But I'm sure that the lenses are being used by brands and organizations for like one off posts left and right. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that they're not reaching out for rights. Right. Yeah, there there was actually, I can't remember the name of the company. I'm not trying to protect them. But some, somebody was using my potato <laughs> for for some ads on social media. And like, I was like, Hey, stop that. <laughs> so like, I actually like reached out yeah. to them and, and told them to quit and, and pull their stuff down, which, which they did. So, and I think that it really comes back to, you know, the, the question of, I think a lot of savvy companies, large global brands are going to have that awareness. And then the smaller regional, even national brands might not necessarily be thinking about that extra layer. And I I wonder, and I'm curious if it is because there is still a lack of understanding about the creators and the individual artists that are behind these lenses versus thinking of it as like Snapchat produced lenses themselves. Yeah. That's a, that's an excellent point because when the potato did hit big, it was just, everyone was referring it as the Snapchat potato. So like my name Mm -hmm. wasn't in there anywhere on news articles and you know it was like in news articles around the world but like no one reached out to me no one added my name as as the creator for this and so that would have been nice to <laughs> to to get a little a little credit of authorship for for that at the time but I do have some people that want to use my stuff and actually like reach out and, and get my permission for it and stuff like that. That's very honoring to to me and other creators. If you're using people's work at minimum, I like say, you know, credit me in your show notes or, you know, link back to my to my social media account so other people can find me. Absolutely. I mean, at a very at a minimum, I definitely feel like those news articles 
should be crediting you and your work for the potato, even if they're old. So if you ever want to have someone go back through and reach out to them so that they <laughs> yeah. can update their articles, right, yeah. not a bad Come thing. Come on, BuzzFeed. <laughs> Come on, give credit where credit's due. But I do think I, you know, I, I like to always bucket things of if it was like intentionally, you know, being harmful or just a lack of awareness. And I think for the most part, there's still a big confusion around how AR works within these social media platforms. Yeah, yeah. And, and even often in other, other spheres. I mean, like Saturday Night Live used my banana lens in one of their skits. And so like, I wasn't asked. I didn't get paid for it. It, it was just something that they're just like, oh, this is open and public and available. And, you know, we had a fun idea that we wanted to use and we threw it in a skit. So, but yeah, that's the prime example. So, what do you think creators can do to make themselves more visible and start to reduce the amount of times that these things happen where they're essentially left out of the equation on these pop culture moments that they're truly the ones that are kind of making happen. That's a great question. And that's, that's something a lot of, a lot of people are grappling with right now. And I mean, there's, there's like people create lenses for a variety of different reasons. And, and I'm probably over on the side of more of like an influencer or someone who's like using this to like, to to be creative and get out there on the social media side of the internet. I don't know, it sounds crass, but like just like increase my brand. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing crass about that. You're 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 an entrepreneur, <laughs> yeah. you're a small business owner, you're a creator. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes especially because creatives in general for the most part, I feel like really undersell themselves and they're you know, abilities, because you would be you're going to be drawing dinosaurs no matter where you are, whether you're in the Midwest or in math class. And so this to you is like your passion. And sometimes I feel like it can be seen as like icky to start to get into the business stuff. But you can't like you you have to be the person to stand up for other creators who are also going to be building their own confidence and their own brands and their own personas. Right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thing I've definitely struggled with a lot in the past is just being able to like talk about myself and my work and and be proud of it in in a public kind of way. So yeah, you 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 make an excellent point. And and pimp yourself out, yeah, Phil. For sure. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> you know, like I I do I do have a position out front and so like that that should be something I can do more of is just like helping those behind me that, that are, that are coming up now and to, you know, like make sure that they get credit as well. Cause it's not, it's not just me out here making awesome stuff. It's, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a ton of AR creators. And so, yeah, they should get credit. I heard a rumor and I don't know if you're privy to this, but have you been seeing the artificial intelligence like uh, art that's been popping up where people are paying like $12 or something to have like pictures of themselves uh, yeah. artificially like right. put on these pic- Have you seen I have, that? Yeah, that's that's kind of like, it just kind of came out of nowhere like that. I, I've been using Midjourney for a while and I love it. And I actually like use that in, in my lenses now. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. a tool for for creativity and and to to help me so I'm not like I can create art without like going on the internet finding a picture and downloading it you know like that that's yeah 
you know, that's that's the same problematic thing of of stealing somebody's art or or photograph or something like that. So it allows for some originality in in your mm-hmm. work. And I know like it's it's still pretty controversial because like illustrators are like, hey, you're you're borrowing from our artwork to create this artwork. And so it's yeah, it's a very kind of a thorny a thorny world right now that that's gosh the lines have to be all over the place yeah but you know in in that same regard it's like okay so so this this tool took your artwork and someone remixed it and made a thing that's the same thing that's going on with my lenses is you know people are taking that lenses and making a video out of it and then they're putting that out so you know it's everybody's stealing from everyone right now (laughs) Yeah, it, I think that, you know, we, we definitely have seen that a lot with like music more so historically where people will sample, yeah, samples, you know, yeah. from a song and then use that. And then it's like, well, you stole my song. And then I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah. I am a huge uh, believer in the fact that the law is just so far behind. Like I used to think they were a decade behind. Now I think they're like uh, two decades maybe yeah. behind in like the law with the way that technology is rapidly changing. And this is an area that I just don't know what the right answer would be. And I don't know if there's any like lawsuits that exist that we would be able to like tune right. into. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually talked with, uh, with an IP attorney, you know, around this whole issue because like, you know, I, I did, I did try to like register some of my more popular lenses with the, the copyright office just to like make, make yeah. sure, make sure I own that, actually own the copyright to these things. But yeah, like you said, it's, you know, like so far behind right now. And, and I don't know how they're, how they're going to catch up with. And even everything. that process takes what, like nine months to a year. Yeah. It, it took a while. It took a couple months. It takes a you, while. You, want, you know, you can sign up and like have a provisional, provisional one in the meantime, it, it sets down a date for when you registered it. But yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I'll be very interested to see how that shifts over time. And I think that the AI generated art, even though it is under controversy because everyone's saying it's stealing from artists and those artists that made those original copies are not getting a dime out of it uh, to the degree that that is true falls somewhere in between. I have no clue, yeah. but I do think it's fascinating that in and of itself, that is like a trend quote unquote, mm-hmm. that is solely social media driven because people are only doing it so that they can post it on social media and they're, they're monetizing it. Whoever is at the core of it is still making $12 per like AI generation. (laughs) And to me, that's more of like product at the end of the day where you are giving something to somebody, they are paying for it and opting for it. And then using that as like social media. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe the, the way that you can help artists is not, putting in like imitate the style of X illustrator or something like that. And yeah, you know, just an idea. So tell us a little bit about that for people who don't know what AI art is and like what that, you know, inspiration tool does. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So I, I don't know like the, the ins and outs. It's like the kind of a, a black box as, as far as like AI goes, but Basically, the one I use is called Midjourney, but there's like Dolly and 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 several others that will just like let you like write out a text prompt of like what you want to see. So Sonic the Hedgehog trail cam footage, 
and then it the computer like tries to like draw a picture of that and it's it's pretty amazing like it's it's come along like such a long way from from how it started where it, it would just like get confused and you know like make something that's a real horror show but now it's like it's actually getting pretty good to the point where it's like you actually like did the thing that I wanted you to do so it's a great tool for inspiration and coming up with unique perspectives sure. and it's definitely fun to see what it'll come back yeah, with. Yeah, but I, right and and making something that you couldn't otherwise find a, it somewhere else like if you're if you yeah. go to like a stock photo i stock photo or or something like that and you're like uh i need this specific image they're not going to have it you're going to have to settle for something else that kind of fits or or something like that but this is this actually gets you much closer to the actual thing you want especially if it's something like so weird and random that like there there would not be a picture of that a cat on the moon or something you know Beyonce as a snowman um chugging a bottle of prosecco Okay I'll, I'll get that for you you can post it in the show notes yeah, just just send send that over to okay. me, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like the artificial intelligence art kind of I feel like it rose to popularity in twenty twenty two. Like that seems a little bit newer. And I know that we've had AI writers like so copywriting. Yeah, um, there's a there's that a has thing gotten a lot more advanced. Chat GPT or something. I don't know the exact name. You type up like write me a screenplay for a scene between you know a married couple of monsters fighting with each other or something like that and it'll like do its best to try to like create something that isn't like a complete gibberish do you think that these artificial intelligence creative tools are a threat to creators or a tool for creators i see them more as a tool um i think certain certain livelihoods are probably going to be more affected if you're an illustrator or a graphic designer or something like that, I don't think it's going to take away your job at this point because it's still far from perfect. But yeah, I, I think like jobs moving forward are going to involve working together with AI as a tool, as a labor saving device that keeps you from, you know, pulling your hair out, drawing a neighborhood full of 50 photorealistic houses or something like that. You can just be like, I need a background. That's how I use it. I I need a cool background for this lens and I don't want to have to like create it or design it myself. I can just go and 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 have an AI generate it for me. And also back to copyright a little bit, who owns that when you're using these AI tools? Yeah, well as I understand that- Yeah, I understand it like like they're we like the person who generates it does, but it's also a public image that can be used in other places. So I think it, it would get into some thorny situations if you're using it for an album cover or, or something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a- <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, I, I, a pool. Yeah, I, where are we yeah, going? I, I, think, Phil? I think your next guest needs to be like an IP lawyer. So you can, 
<laughs> you can ask him all these questions. I know. I really do. I'm so, but I'm so curious as far as where this is going to take us because I, I, I also believe, you know, as a, as a, I do a lot of writing and that's a lot of what my job is with advertising. Yeah. And I use some of the AI tools for writing and it's really helpful, like you said, for inspiration and for, you know, kind of getting like that nudge that you need to be able to push yourself into the creative space or the writing yeah. space. Um, and it's a good way to gut check, but it's still like AI cannot replace my right. job. And I, it might one day in, in that respect, but what I do think that it's going to require is for people just to elevate how they are operating. So instead of focusing on the writing at hand, it's like, how are you going to tailor that across? It'll, it'll enable you to, you know, write across the different channels. Yeah. So the way that you're going to be talking on Snapchat is a little bit different than the way you're going to be talking on TikTok, which is drastically different than how you're going to be talking on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. And I think it's going to push people and enable them to be more creative from a distribution standpoint and differentiate. Whereas right now, a lot of people are strapped for resourcing where they can only get as, you know, as creative or as on point with their copy as the budget allows for. Yeah. And so I, I wonder like how much, how much stuff you write as a copywriter is kind of like pretty similar in, in tone of like, mm, maybe, maybe a computer could do this section here where like about us or I, I, you know, like just as an example, like mission statements or something like that, where, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like we inspire the next generation to, you know, so like, <laughs> and they take it to the next level and you're like, dang, that was really yeah. good. You give them a little bit of plug right. in yeah, of what you want to say. And then they just it, like but yeah. Shakespeare. Hello. <laughs> Back from the yep. dead. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. So to wrap it up, I want to talk a little bit about the future of snap lens studio. I know we touched on it and the fact that we're bringing, you know, more opportunities for monetization through tokens, really embracing that culture of people being more comfortable paying for additional add-ons and creators getting more inspiration to be able to unlock these different, you know, power-ups and and whatnot. What do you think that these changes for Snapchat Lens Studio is going to do for creators and the AR space. Yeah, I think, you know, and talking with other creators, like we love doing this and we would probably be doing this even if we weren't getting paid, which we're not. So yeah, it, it just, it shows like this is a very highly creative field, but having that, that support to the point where we can just do this full time as our passion, not have to worry about money, not have to go to go work a day job so that we can come home and make lenses, you know, when we're, we're tired at the end of the day, we can just like sit down at our computers and work is, is great. And it's very liberating. So yeah, I, I really hope for definitely for more opportunities for creators across the board to, to get paid and to be able to like do this thing that they love you know, and, and be supported and be rewarded for their awesomeness. Absolutely. So we have a lot of brand managers and marketers that listen to this podcast. So definitely in the AR space, I think it's still something that a lot of companies are underutilizing. Sure. But I mean, you guys heard the numbers from Phil here. 1.3 billion yeah, on the potato. potato? Yeah. I I've, mean, come and, on. And yeah, like all in for all of my lenses, I'm at like 6.75 
billion impressions. Oh, but who's counting anyways? That's awesome, Phil. I'm so happy for you. That is incredible. And the work that you do, like what a freaking fun thing to be able to bring to the Thanksgiving dinner table. Sure. It's so fun. I I didn't have this ready, but I actually I made I made a a lens or I'm I'm almost done with the lens that I make for the the occasion of appearing on your show. So I'm gonna share that as soon as it's done. It's, oh please it's a, it do! I'm I'm so excited to see it. Oh, I can't yeah, wait! Yeah. How exciting! Yeah. Well, we'll definitely. Uh, I mean, hopefully, we'll have it by the the launch of the show yeah, yeah, when it goes out, so that everyone yeah, can see I, it. I, I expect it within the next day or so. I think so. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> well, Phil, it was an absolute joy having you on the podcast. I think that the work that you do is not only brings so much joy to people yeah. and laughs and smiles, but I think that it is a great representation for any other creators out there who are curious about the space, wanting to get into it. You know, you are a part of the pioneering group that is making this like a career opportunity for people. Yeah. So the work you're doing is important and valuable. And it's crazy that you're on the forefront of changing how people are consuming and creating right. with one another. So can't thank you enough. Where can people find you? How can they support yeah, your work? So uh, I'm philip.walton, two L's and philip, philip.walton on Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat, of course. It, yeah, uh, I'm at Fire and Knife on Twitter. If you want to see the my random thoughts there, yeah, I think those those are the big big places to to, to find me, or or just go to my website if you want to hire me for to build you an awesome lens. It's just philipalton.com. Sorry, philipalton.com. <laughs> yeah. How can people support you on Patreon? Uh, yeah, you can go to my Patreon. Give me you know dollar or 250 a month if you want and actually i i do a thing every month where i let uh, i let all my patron patrons patrons uh they they can get they can vote for uh which lens i build next and that's an exclusive one just for my supporters there have yeah. fun go support phil make sure that you are on the forefront of the next potato you, and the next you can pickle. decide what the next potato is going to be <laughs> oh my gosh, I gotta get in there. I've got so many yeah. thoughts. All right, Phil, Thank thanks you. so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Your support means the world to me. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. We'll be releasing a new episode every Tuesday, bringing you various stories, deep dives, and discussions around the complexities of social media in our modern world. To follow along for more, be sure to follow us at Your Social HQ on Instagram or check out Social HQ at www.yoursocialhq.com. I'm your host, Hillary Applegate, and I'll see you back here next week. Stay sane out there.